We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been, been there, done, done that. Welcome to episode six, What Should Your Preschooler Know? Today, we're going to be discussing when you should start homeschooling and what age should your child learn to read. We're also going to be talking about curriculum and what you really need for a preschooler. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Hey, Maria, how's it going? Hey, Nicole, I'm so excited for today's episode. I am too. But before we get there, I think we need to talk about something a little bit serious. No? Okay, I can get serious. What do we got? (laughs) Well, I was just listening to us do (laughs) our recording of the last episode. Our word repetition? Yeah. And I'm a little bit worried that people might think it's a good time to maybe do a drinking game. (laughs) With the Been There, Done That homeschool podcast. One day our children are going to listen to this and they're going to start drinking every time we say exactly. Actually. Absolutely. Crux. The crux. (laughs) I think the crux might be like where you have to like chug an entire The crux of it. Yeah. So uh, we want to warn you guys, like this is very dangerous business. (laughs) You may get alcohol poisoning if you attempt to play a drinking game with the Been There, Done That. Um, But for today, I just have my red wine. (laughs) Yes, that's it. That's all we need. (laughs) No shooting shots. (laughs) No, we can jump right in. All right, preschooling. Yeah, so let's get started. So preschool is a super popular topic on homeschool message boards. And it's often kind of a controversial one, too, because we'll have like established homeschool parents can get like a little bit territorial almost about like what is considered school age. Right. And, you know, I can see both sides of this. I've, I've been both sides of this, honestly. You know, on one hand, you have these very like involved, invested parents. They're wanting to make the best educational choices for their child. You know, they're new. They're excited. And uh, they want to start that process like right now. Right. On the other side, you may have seasoned parents and now they're a bit more knowledgeable now about early learning and they may be aggravated with field trips or other group spots that are always being taken for their older children because some of the other kids that are taking the spots are not quite to school age. But instead of just brushing off new parents by telling them that theirs is a parenting stage and not an actual school age, I think that we should try to give these parents of these little children some guidance and some things that they can do for now. Sure. I have like I remember very much being there. I had mentioned in my intro, uh, got into homeschooling groups when I had a two year old just because I was looking for other kids because the other kids had gone to school at that point. So I know that I was one of those super excited moms that was like, hey, where can I find homeschool curriculum for my two year old? And um, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were like, you need to calm down. Well, and and I experienced the same thing when Riley was just, I think, about two years old. A lot of her friends started going off to preschool, and I really didn't want her to think that she had to go to school just to have friends. So I joined homeschool groups really young. I was ready to get started and get my finger paints ready. But really, you know, consecutive children, sometimes I think uh, more seasoned moms would agree that you're just not in quite the hurry. You, You know that these stages pass really fast and... You kind of almost want to savor it more and savor the moment more with younger children because 
you know, once the stage is gone, it's gone. <laughs> right. And we never know that when we're in it. We were talking at a mom's night out recently and somebody was like, why didn't anybody tell us this? And our friend Amy was like, uh, they did. That was that old lady in the grocery store right. line who was <laughs> creeping you out with the, oh, enjoy your kids while they're young. She was warning us. Right. We just weren't listening at the time. But um, anyway, so we often hear that early childhood education programs have life affecting long term health outcomes. And now this is often likely because the education interventions are often packaged with health interventions. Like I remember learning about Head Start. Some of our listeners might not know this, but my first son passed away from uh, muscular dystrophy. And so before we knew something was wrong, I remember getting involved with that program and thinking that he was behind. He was, well, ultimately ended up being a health issue. But the point is, is that oftentimes preschool intervention, a lot of times these programs are intervening for providing meals, social services, parenting service, uh, sometimes vaccines and thorough health screenings can catch diabetes, anemia, hearing and vision problems and, and things like that. So a lot of times it's kind of like a all encompassing medical intervention sure. that is kind of intertwined with education. And I was looking up that 61% of preschoolers are in some kind of childcare situation. And these stats totally make sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so along with that, however, uh, when we are speaking of like educational, like only educational outcomes, statistics also show that kids that receive an intense early education, um, they kind of tend to peak by kindergarten. And then the educational benefits are not even noticeable at all by second grade. So like eventually everyone kind of evens out. Right. And, um, you know, so some common preschool benefits are, you know, socialization, preparation for kindergarten, academic head start. But uh, likewise, some cons to preschool are cost flexibility for family and more time with parents. But you know, if you're already planning on homeschooling, those common preschool benefits aren't like something you really need to consider because you're going to be doing that in your homeschool anyway. Right. And Nicole, you and I both have a favorite blog post that we always like to refer parents to whenever we're talking about early preschool. We both shared this many times on different message boards. And it's from a, a blog called Magical Childhood. And uh, the creator of it says this remains to be like one of her most popular posts of all time on her site. So I love this post. So I much. do too. It's so beautiful. But so I'm, I'm just going to kind of read, read some of it a little bit. But this is what she says what a preschooler really needs to know. Number one, she should know she is loved wholly and unconditionally all of the time. Number two, he should know that he's safe and he should know how to keep himself safe in public with others and in varied situations. He should know that he can trust his instincts about people and that he never has to do anything that doesn't feel right no matter who is asking. And he should know his personal rights and that his family will back him up. Number three, she should know how to laugh, act silly, be goofy, and use her imagination. She should know that it's always okay to paint the sky orange and give cats six legs. <laughs> Number four, he should know his own interests and be encouraged to follow them. If he couldn't care less about learning his numbers, his parents should realize he'll learn them accidentally soon enough and let him immerse himself instead in rocket ships drawing dinosaurs or playing in the mud. Mm, yeah. And lastly, she should know that the world is magical and that so is she. She should know that she's wonderful, brilliant, creative, compassionate, and marvelous. She should know that it's just as worthy to spend the day outside making daisy chains, mud pies, and fairy houses as it is to practice phonics. 
scratch that. It's actually way more worthy. And we're going to include that whole blog post in our show notes um, on our website. So you can go there and we'll we'll even have some times embedded in there so you can skip right to the juicy parts uh, that you want to hear. Tune into that. I absolutely love all of that. Uh, Even after reading such a beautiful and eloquent post, some people are still going to be wanting to do more. And that's okay. Yeah. Some people Um, just need a list. (laughs) Right. So beyond that and beyond trusting where your preschooler is, and here are some other basic preschool skills. Teaching your children how to love others. Teaching them how to follow rules and directions, maybe multi-step directions or instructions. Uh, They should be working on communicating in full sentences, ask and answer questions, be able to respond to you, and should be able to say their full name. Um, You can talk about positions and directions uh, like left, right, under, over, in, out, preposition mountain. Um, (laughs) Did you have that poster Um, uh, in your school when you were a kid? Um, You can explore, observe, talk about the world around us. Um, uh, Preschoolers can help with simple chores. They need to learn how to work with others, uh, work independently and ask for help when needed. Um, They're really going to learn how to play with friends of all ages, uh, practicing manners and kindness, um, how to listen, uh, you know, sharing and taking turns. Right. They should know how to self-care without help. Uh, Sometimes they need a little help still. I remember when my kids were little, we would have like a little checkoff chart about, you know, you wake up, you get dressed, brush your teeth safety uh, what not to touch and staying away from the street and not touching a hot stove they should be able to enjoy music and simple songs develop a sense of humor and be able to laugh and play and enjoying books is so important for young childhood development Uh, they should be able to play with sounds and numbers uh, letters textures colors learning about clocks and timers, counting objects, just counting their toys or putting things in order from blues to reds to yellows, uh, exploring rhymes. I, I remember always used to have a song to for everything, rhyming, getting in your car seat or, you know, uh-huh. getting your breakfast <laughs> made. They should be able to explore rhymes, uh, same and different, big and small, light and heavy. Those are always fun games to play with little kids. Um, They should be able to tell stories and listen to your stories from the beginning, the ending, uh, what comes next, cause and effect. Um, And that was also a good way to remember numbers and names and kind of letters and sounds. We did a lot of I spy or hidden picture kind of things. Some preschoolers are possibly ready to begin to read. We're going to talk about reading in the next section. Fine motor skills, beating, building, stirring, squishing, uh, cutting and pouring, any kind of fingery, you know, kind of things. They don't necessarily need to write, but like any of those fine motor skills is going to help with that for later. Drawing a person with six parts, like the head, the torso, the arms and the legs, using, Mm -hmm. you know, basic kind of shapes, crosses and circles and lines. They should be able to understand real and pretend, alive and not alive. Some more gross motor skills, uh, jumping, swinging, catching, throwing, you know, all those things that you would do at a park. Uh, Maybe starting to ride a tricycle or a a bike with training wheels. I'm seeing a theme here. Everything has to do with playing. It does have to do with playing. So much learning through play. Yes, yes. Potty training, proper hand washing. Those are kind of some skills there. Uh, Learning how to write their name. Also, I remember teaching my children uh, my phone number. 
Uh, there was one emergency where it came in really handy. You know, those little simple recalls are so important uh, in emergency situations. Being able to tie your shoes or, well, actually we use Velcro forever. So that one yeah, <laughs> that and still came in later. Also, my, my third kid, I didn't teach that to. I just gave her a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube's great. I learned how to, how to replace my P-trap under my sink with a yeah. YouTube video. I love that. <laughs> They should be learning their days of the week, months and years and seasons. I remember going to Dollar Tree and buying this big calendar and having it laminated for a couple dollars at the Mm -hmm. homeschool store. And I would get Velcro dots and every morning we'd wake up and put a new number on. That's one of my favorite preschool activities to do, putting the number on the calendar and going outside and looking at the weather and putting the appropriate weather Velcro little thing on there. Tracing uh, shapes and letters. Uh, We would take pans of rice and trace an A through the, you know, anything like that. Anything tactile is just fantastic for kids to learn. But to them, it's just play. But they're learning right along. Understanding basic shapes and primary colors. I think I already said that. Um, Demonstrating an understanding of word tenses, Um, you know, past, present, future, yesterday, today, tomorrow, go, going, gone, you know, and a lot of this just comes along with normal conversations. When you're interacting with your child, you know, throughout the day, this is a natural part. You don't have to always make a point to do this. Um, You can find a lot of lists online just by searching uh, things like, what should my preschooler know? If you really do feel like you need a game plan for this, you can always look that up. Yeah. And you don't, you absolutely do not need like a checkbox list for this. This is mostly stuff you're going to be kind of doing anyway, like you just said, but I like all those. But, you know, some people really do want to know, like, how do I schedule learning with my preschooler? Mm. You know, still after that, after we've told you like twice now, you don't have to, they really want to... uh, have a schedule, things like that. Well, we really recommend that you think more of adopting maybe a routine rather than a schedule. I really don't like the word schedule. Children really thrive with routines. They also thrive on knowing what to expect. Yeah, well, I mean, we're all we're all really happier, like when we know what's going to happen next, it's like having a plan to your day. So, you know, an example of a preschool routine, you might have uh, breakfast and then, you know, your morning chores, like you're putting away your breakfast stuff and making your bed, right. uh, brushing your teeth and all your personal hygiene, get dressed, comb yeah. your hair, wash your face. Then maybe you're going to sit on the couch and you guys are going to do some read alouds and cuddle time. And it's my favorite um, preschool activity. Uh, is my favorite too (laughs) and then uh you know when they start getting antsy well that's time for us to go outside or take a walk or you know go play out in the yard you know that often gives me a chance to put lunch together real quick too so um and then you know if you want to tackle some of those little more lessony things on the list like colors or numbers oh I have a funny story about colors too well just this is the difference between when we were talking in the beginning about how you've got the two different kinds of moms like the ones that are more the newer moms wanting to do the preschool and the older moms who are like oh you don't need to do this well you know I was that mom that wanted to but like my third kid got the benefit of being the kid that I didn't do the early stuff with they they call that feral a little bit but like I remember I had gone to the library and I had just tons and tons of lists for my older kids of like books on color like a million books on colors like we we studied colors for like weeks and weeks and then there was like one day I finally realized with my third I was like you know we never talked about about colors with her 
She just knew him. She learned colors without you yeah. teaching? Because, you know, that's like three-year-olds all day long <laughs> are like, what color's the sky? What color's the grass? What color's the... They talk about it all the time. Like, these things are all very organic things that happen well, in your everyday with little kids. Just, you know, within doing household chores, like, hand me that red shirt. You know, they may not process exactly red equals this color, but over time, these kind of conversations naturally... They learn, they absorb, you know, just by being in that kind of environment of discussion. Exactly. So don't overthink it. You can be super casual. Going back to, you know, go for a walk or go outside. um, You can spend so much time with a child just walking in the grass and they find a ladybug or they find a pill bug and and they're just exploring it or even just taking blades of grass and making a little harmonica type instrument from it all of these things they're learning they learn through play and it's essential to remember that children learn through play they don't have to have a structure they don't have to have something that you bought from the store something plastic and generic they can easily learn just by being in an environment because children are naturally curious and that is how they learn so moving on to our next kind of topic here is like what age should my child learn to read that's another thing that that magical childhood blog talks about is on her uh, what do parents need to know and one of those things on her list I just think this is so beautiful too is that every child learns to walk talk read and do algebra at their own pace and that it has no bearing on how well they're going to walk, talk, read, and do algebra. Right. So when I think back about when my children actually learned to walk, I don't know. I should know this, but I don't know exactly when they did. But you know what? They all walk. Right. All eventually. Yeah. Everybody eventually does it. Evens out and it all works out. So, you know, if, if you expose your children to books, if you expose them to the written word, if you're reading to them daily, barring any learning disabilities that future episodes we're going to be specifically talking about addressing dyslexia, dysgraphia, things like that. But right now, you know, a typical child is going to be learning through absorption. They're going to learn to read Experts say that most children learn to read by age six or seven, meaning like first or second grade. Uh, Some learn much earlier. I've had one of every age in my house. I've had a very late learner and I've had actually when I was trying to teach my oldest one to read, we were kind of stumbling through reading. But meanwhile, the younger sister was looking over our shoulder and like learned how to (laughs) do it on her own. So like (laughs) like we were doing the hundred teach your child to read in a hundred easy lessons. And then she just like she had it all down by like 50 and just got to skip the rest of the book. But so right. so some people, some kids need a little bit more, some a little less. But um, anyway, um, the point was uh, a head start on reading doesn't necessarily guarantee a child's going to stay ahead as they progress through school. Uh, abilities tend to even out in later grades. Some children are ready to learn at three. Um, some are going to take longer. By age 12 or 13, they're all reading at the same level, or most of them are. I just really want to stress that this has no bearing on intelligence. I have one of each. I have one child that learned to proficiently read at six, seven, I don't even remember what age. And then one that self-taught at a very, very young age. And as much as we all want to think that our child is the best and the smartest and the brightest, um, she she is bright, but I would not have characterized her early reading 
as nothing other than the fact that she wanted to learn to read and she taught herself how to read really young and everybody's like oh your child's so brilliant and I'm like well I think she's pretty great because she's my kid but it really had nothing to do with her intelligence level it was she was inspired she had a book that she really wanted to learn and one day we looked up and there was this big truck by us we were by the Galleria in Dallas and we were parked next to this big truck and it had words on there she'd never heard or read and she started just reading it to me oh my and goodness I, I, she was three and I was like what what's, what how what's does happening? that happen you don't really know this <laughs> But she did. And I just want everyone to understand that it's just essential to know that your child is not behind if they're not reading novels by the age of six. It's really not the norm. You need to understand that your child's bright and they're going, it's all going to even out. So yeah. And when they're ready, they're ready and everything clicks. Like sometimes even you know, parents uh, were teaching a, a concept to <laughs> kids and it gets frustrating. And I'm always like, put it down and walk away. And sometimes walking away, it doesn't even seem like this would make sense. But sometimes just walking away mm-hmm. from it for a while and coming back to it in a week, a month, you know, six months later, all of a sudden now it clicks. Right. Um, That's so true. There, There's so many instances where that that happened. Actually, you're really good about this, that you're you're struggling with a, a learner and they're not getting a concept and then you just like you know what let's spend our time doing something else and then what could have taken you a struggle of three months to teach a child all of a sudden you're introducing something to them they're six months older and they get it in four hours yeah I read something like that on a message board when my kids were young and I I've, I've quoted it like a million times I mean I changed the I changed the ages in it for whatever <laughs> whoever I'm talking to but it was uh don't waste a ton of time trying to teach something to a kindergartner that you can explain in five minutes to a second grader and you know that's some of the things that we used to have that were traditionally second grade skills are now something that they push in kindergarten and it makes Mm -hmm. sense that like sometimes kids aren't ready for those subjects then right um, even with a uh, like reading, uh, staying on topic with reading here, uh, we've got like a little quote that the U.S. Department of Education reading programs often say children should learn by age eight or third grade. But that's actually just because learning to read transitions into reading to learn other subjects afterwards. There, there is no like ideal age range for every kid because every kid is different. Right. Another thing that's really important to know is that the single biggest predictor of high academic achievement and high SAT and ACT scores is reading to children, not flashcards, not workbooks, and not fancy preschools, not blinking toys and computers, but mom or dad taking the time every single day to sit down and read to them wonderful books, cuddle up. That really is the gateway to so many things, learning how to read and enjoying the story. So after we've kind of uh, said all that about reading and like what age to start, we're still going to have some people who are like, okay, but tell me what curriculum do I need for my preschooler? (laughs) And um, I answer this question so often online that, you know, I actually have like a cut and paste in my note. (laughs) And so this is my cut and paste answer that I give to this question all the time. You do not need anything. Nope. Not anything. Nope. Read lots of picture books together do messy art and science projects, cook in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. have lots of imaginative building toys like blocks, Legos, trains, etc. Spend a lot of time outside, go for nature walks, get binoculars, magnifying lenses, specimen jars, get a local bird, wildflower, tree identification guides, take those with you, sing, dance, play musical instruments, 
get a tub of dress-up items and play board games for math. Like preschool is so much fun. This is uh, this is why I really didn't want to send my kids to preschool. Like I wanted to do all this stuff with them. This is the fun part. I miss this part so much. And going back to the beautiful magical childhood post that we talked about earlier, uh, our children deserve to be surrounded by books and nature and art supplies and the freedom to explore them. Most of us could get rid of a majority of our children's toys and they wouldn't even be missed. They need to have the freedom to play with scoops of dried beans. Oh my gosh, we love to play with dried (laughs) beans. To knead bread and make messes, to use paint and Play-Doh and okay. Not at my house. We, Glitter. We actually, no, no. No Play-Doh either? No, I don't do. You know what? I will do homemade Play-Doh because it doesn't stick to the carpet. No, I know you don't do glitter, but you don't do Play-Doh don't either? Do. Okay. No. So that, no, that makes one of us. not name brand Play- Play-Doh. <laughs> uh, well, we did make homemade You to go to school dough. for that. Salt dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Nicole is, okay. So what is glitter? I, li- I love when you say this. I stole it from a friend. But glitter is the herpes of craft supplies. The herpes of craft supplies. You can never get rid of it. It's everywhere. (laughs) We haven't used glitter in years. And I have to agree with you because every once in a while I see a little shiny speckle in my house because I do use glitter. Anyway, so continuing on, playing with Play-Doh while we make dinner or climb up in a learning tower. We loved our learning tower and they would be right there at counter height. Then they would help us make dinner Or we would have a specific place in the yard where they were able to dig a hole. And I remember one year that Cameron decided that he was going to take our little Melissa and Doug treasure chest and put jewels in it and dig a big hole and hide it. And and he did. But but the but the treasure chest was about 12 inches tall. (laughs) Oh, no. And the hole was about four inches deep. Uh Oh, and it's still to this day out there just is it really out of the ground <laughs> oh that's so funny <laughs> but he was burying his treasure by golly oh my gosh they loved it yeah we always had like sandboxes and or like a place that the kids could grow their own garden like it was not really a garden but a place that they could dig around <laughs> and that's another thing gardening we gardened we would we would make uh we planted everything from eggplant to cucumbers to tomatoes and mm-hmm. oh i remember one year we had such a surplus of tomatoes it was a really great growing year and we went to one of our all-day park days and we were out there with all the other parents and my kids lined up all the tomatoes 50 cents a tomato and oh, funny. they made 20 bucks probably but i'm i'm telling you it probably took 200 dollars to grow those tomatoes because because gardening is not it's always very cheap. expensive. <laughs> you know, um, I always say, though, too, that picky eaters will like eat the things that they grow. So that's a- another great way to oh, yeah, get would... kids doing stuff. We grew uh, peas one year that my my kids all hated peas, but they would eat all the peas uh, right uh, off the plant in the garden. Mine so. still go out there and, and pull off the mint and basil leaves and just start chomping on them I love this time when they're little and there's they're just exploring everything you know sometimes if you want to do something a little bit more structured um, but still fun I would take sidewalk chalk and I would go outside and I would um, I would put letters or numbers and then they would get their little scooters and they would scoot over to a letter I would say or something like that so that's a way to get a child that's really active outside but also still doing some you know structured kind of academic yeah. I also just really, really loved this time period in our lives. I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I should have, like when we were in it. You know, sometimes that those preschool toddler baby years are a little crisis parenting sometimes. 
Yeah, putting out fires all the time. And yeah, it, it's a lot, and it's a lot to handle between trying to maintain your household, your meals, your children. It's right, but it's it really is such a beautiful time. Yeah, and I mean, really, you know that that's what our our kids need is they at the end of the day they just they need more of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're really good at saying that we need to take care of ourselves. And um, sometimes we're like, oh, you know, the rest of the world can take care of our kids. But and we all need, you know, time to ourselves. We all need to be able to take a bath, you know, spend time with friends, have a little break um, as parents. But we also live in a time where <laughs> we've got like a lot of competition going with <laughs> other parents. Like, when's your child going to do this and that and the other? And um, we don't need all that. Our, our children don't need competition and uh, you know keeping track of milestones in a competitive fashion like that they don't need all of these extras like activities and uh, lessons and practices and all of that like they really need us they need uh, parents who will sit and listen to their days and uh, parents who will do crafts with them and parents who will read them the stories and you know be silly with them (laughs) they want us to take walks and the slow walks when you have a toddler right. <laughs> and I stop to like look at every single thing not a real workout for us we're not getting our heart rate up but really it's all about the exploration and allowing them to just be kids exploring the world around them it's it's important and it's how they learn yeah and I mean at the end of the day what our kids really really need is they deserve to know that they're a priority to us and that we truly love being with them It may not seem like it now if you have young children, but it really does go by so fast. Looking back now, it just was a blur. (laughs) Anyway, so being the smartest or most accomplished kid in class has never had any bearing on being the happiest. We are often so caught up in trying to give our children advantages that we're giving them lives as multitasked and stressful like ours. And really, you have to stop and think, what do we want for our children? And one of the biggest advantages we can give them is a simple, carefree childhood. So again, be sure to check our show notes on our website um, because we did link a lot of websites including this beautiful, magical childhood post that we just love so much. So uh, be sure to check that out if you want to read those for yourself. Um, And then be back to listen to our episode seven next week when we're going to talk about how to find your people. Uh, we're going to talk about what are what's the difference between co-ops or university model schools, micro schools, um, how to find homeschool support, and how to start your own homeschool groups. See you next time. Bye. Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com, as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at the BTDT Been There Done That Homeschool Podcast.